Hello everyone and welcome to episode 369 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. How are you doing? I'm doing amazingly. I've been enjoying Kamigawa, so yeah, I'm pretty pretty hyped. It's been a good a good week or two in Magic, I think. But before we get into all that, we got another co-host in Grim. How you doing today, Grim? Yo, what's up, Seth? Uh, pretty excited. I've had a pretty solid weekend of Kamigawa's release, so I've been having a lot of fun. Sweet. Yeah, Kamigawa's been pretty awesome. I've been enjoying it in basically every format, all the way back to like modern and limited. It's just been a great set, so definitely exceeded my expectations, but that's not one of our big topics for today. Today, we got a couple different topics. We're starting with a new Universes Beyond style secret lair drop, the Street Fighter lair drop. So we want to talk about that, not only the cards, but also uh, the response to the lair drop. Then we got some pretty weird news about some uh, investors involving John Finkel trying to convince Hasbro to split Wizards off into its own company. So we wanted to talk about that. And we got an interesting question from Mark Rosewater about the possibility of draft booster exclusive cards designed for draft. So we're going to talk about those things and then, of course, answer your fish mail questions. But before we get into that, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your Magic Collection, and their curated shipment service that lets you sell valuable cards with a reduced service fee for a while now. As long as you have cards with a retail value of two or more, uh, $2 or more, you can send in as many as you want and still only pay a 5% service fee. And like with all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards, you don't got to grade your cards, you get to skip all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship it out, and you'll even get a detailed report with the results. So you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%, and you can even get another 10% off by going to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic, starting with, I think Street Fighter. We got the Street Fighter Secret <laughs> Lair drop. Uh, this is eight brand new cards with one that we haven't seen so far. So let's start by talking about the cards themselves. And then I want to ask you guys about the response to these cards. But Richard, guide us through some Street Fighter spoilers. What All a right. weird thing to say. <laughs> yep. Street Fighter time. Uh, e Honda, sumo champion, four white, white, six mana value, zero seven, legendary creature, human warrior. The art is uh, E Honda beating up the car. Uh, sumo spirit. As long as it's your turn, each creature assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. 100 handed slap. Whenever E Honda, sumo champion, attacks up to 100. 100 target creatures each get plus zero plus x until end of turn where x is the number of cards in your hand a <laughs> hundred creatures that's a bit excessive make sure you don't go, like sure you don't go too infinite you can only pump a hundred of your creatures with e hunter yeah yeah you gotta I, keep it in check <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's that's a flavor thing. They could just say all your creatures, but it wouldn't be as flavorful. I mean, I think the card's kind of sweet. Six mana is a lot. And all these cards, we should say, uh, are only legal in Legacy backwards, basically. Legacy Vintage and Commander, of course. So I guess Commander is probably going to be their main home. Seven mana is kind of a lot. And it's you're essentially getting like a, a Doran with upside. 
I don't really know. Like, I think the flavor is really good of this, uh, really good with this card, but is it powerful? I'm kind of more excited, I think, to maybe play it in the main deck of Doran or something rather than play it as a commander, but I don't know. It's kind of sweet if you want to play like mono white butts or toughness matters. Like, it is a good leader for that, I guess, even if six mana, a little bit high for what it does, I think. I mean, you can one shot yeah, someone. It seems with like, it, right? If you just have a grip full of cards and then you just hit. Right. Like that's the difference between door and, and, and this card. Right. Especially if you have a land tax going like you can just like smack someone <laughs> once and like kill them. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you make a bunch of a bunch of creatures, you definitely can. And I think some people were saying like, oh, it's mono white. Mono white's always empty handed. But I think if you build around it, you mentioned land tax. So white's actually really good at filling its hand with <laughs> with random lands. And normally that's only like somewhat useful. But with the Honda, it doesn't matter. Like it, it pumps the same whether it's a land or an actual spell. So I feel like it's actually like relatively expensive. I just worry it does have to attack so six mana you gotta play it you gotta get it unsummoning sick then you gotta attack with it people can see it coming I guess at that price and it's gonna be hard to recast if it gets killed yeah if, if it ever dies like a single time the next time it's gonna be oh that's an eight ball they have to pay <laughs> this this card is uh I don't know if this is my commander but I do like this if I'm playing a Butts Matter deck, like a, a Thickums deck, if you would. Uh, and then, yeah, like I think that'd be fun in the 99. This this feels like a great 99 card. And on top of that, with how many tutors exist in the world, I, I don't see why people wouldn't just go tutor this instead. I like the card as a design, though, uh, flavorfully. I think this is really well done. Like every one of these cards, flavor-wise, has been phenomenal. Uh, and, and we'll talk more about that as we get to some of the other cards. But like, yeah, good job on this the design of this whole drop because I think it's absolutely stunning. Yeah, they they stuffed in a ton of really cool references. I, I forgot to ask you guys, did you guys play Street Fighter growing up? Like, is that a game you're familiar with? So I don't I don't know about you, uh, but for me and I think like a majority of people, at least uh, in my friend group, we all started with two. Okay. Because I think when the first one came out, I wasn't even old enough to, like, know how to, like, fully even close my hand. So there's no way I probably could even, like, open up, like, play a video game, right? Uh, but, yeah, like, okay, well, that's not 100% true. But, but yeah, like, I, I think it wasn't until the second one that I, like, fully got into the game. Yeah, if, if you're a boomer like me, everybody played Street Fighter. Like, you played mm -hmm. it on Super Nintendo... You played yep. it at the pizza place because the one arcade machine there was Street Fighter 2 Turbo, right? Mm. And so, like, you know, you, you went to the arcade and played Street Fighter. So I think if you're of my age, which would be the general age of, like, the magic population, you probably <laughs> played Street Fighter growing up. I, I would be shocked if someone was like, I didn't play Street Fighter. In fact, my guess is even Seth played Street Fighter, and I would I, be blown away if he did not. I I even played Street Fighter. I did. I didn't, yeah. I, I, I didn't have it, but I had friends that had it. One of my best friends was, like, a huge Street Fighter player, so I definitely played a lot of Street Fighter growing up, so I think it really is, like, targeting our demographic, and I think they did a really good job. Like, as we go through the cards, like, so many just like the abilities and the flavors and there's some sweet like easter egg things that aren't that obvious built into the cards they just they, they kind of nailed it i think with this layer drop and i think it's going to do really well but uh, i mean e-honda definitely definitely sweet it feels like e-honda it's got a got the right mechanics to make the flavor work at least even if it might not be that powerful as a commander all right yeah next up we got ryu world warrior two in a white two four legendary creature human warrior training and his ability is Hadouken. 
Or and a red untap. Discard a card. Ryu deals damage equal to his power to any target. If excess damage was dealt to a creature this way, draw a card. And if you don't notice, the untap is the motion to do the fireball. Uh, so that's uh, that's how they did the fireball thing. I would have liked it if they switched the, the order around and just did untap and then a red mana to actually do the full input. But, you know, that was their compromise in keeping the magic rules. Yeah, that's a that's a nice little callback. I wish it was a, a little cheaper, but just for flavor purposes, it would probably be a little busted. But because uh, you can't just spam it very easily uh you need you need a big setup to really activate this multiple times in a turn and get it going but it is it is pretty cool there is like some fringe combo potential and i think it's relatively powerful like i don't know generates card advantage shoots things down seems like a decent voltroni style commander like put some equipment on it and just like snipe down the board and draw some cards seems reasonable i mean it's in the perfect colors to do voltroni stuff right so Yeah, like this, this is what I mean by like the flavor of like the whole set. Like this is perfect, right? Specifically that beautiful little touch of the tap symbol. I thought that was just absolutely stunning. Uh, I couldn't believe that. That was hilarious. Um, because like, yeah, I, I remember like what, what going to like, uh, Golfland or something like that and, or like the local arcade and, you know, like they'd have the moves and the combos kind of like on the nameplates and whatnot of each character on the machine. And just seeing that symbol, oh, that's hilarious. I think this card is trash, by the way. The flavor is amazing. <laughs> but, like, five mana to fireball something, right? And then the training doesn't work right if you want to Voltron up because, like, you have too much power so you can't grow them anymore. So it's a little awkward. Uh, but the flavor is amazing. Uh, I don't know if you can make a meme deck out of it. But, you know, as a Boros commander, I'm not sure this is, you know, that strong. I mean, no. isn't that isn't that what we want though with these cards? At least that's kind of what I want. When they do these like crossover layer drops, I want them oozing with flavor and nostalgia, but I don't want them to be, you know, the the new Toski or whatever, like Buzz Edgar or whatever that like everyone feels like they have to play to be competitive. So I feel like this is kind of the right spot for them to be. Maybe it could be a little bit more powerful, but I'm kind of fine with them being mid-tier power level, but really flavorful. I, I think that's currently my my only gripe with a lot of these, actually, is that I feel like they went a little too safe. Yeah, I think right? I, like, like, I love these cards, but like I don't want to build this deck. Like, What am I going to do with this? <laughs> right? So like, I don't have an actual reason to buy it other than just admiring the cool art and flavor. Next up, where there's Ryu, there's Ken. So Ken, Burning Brawler, one red red, four two human warrior, prowess, Boros hybrid mana. Ken gains first strike until end of turn. Shoryuken, when Ken deals combat damage, you may cast a sorcery spell from your hand with mana value less than or equal to that damage without paying its mana cost. Why does this not have partner? <laughs> Why is he spell slinger? Yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? This mean, should be this should have partners. Should this is such a missed opportunity. Different color, just red. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Partner would have made a lot of sense, I think, for Ken and Ryu. But I don't know. I feel like this card's not bad, right? Like a Boro Spellslinger Commander. You cast some spells. You grow it. You attack. You can I don't know cast a extra combat step uh, whatever spell or something for free and do it again. I think this is actually the most powerful card we've talked about so far, as far as like being yeah. a build around in commander. Yeah. I don't think it's like busted or anything, but it seems Just like funny a pretty interesting commander. 
Yeah. <laughs> but anytime you like, get like stuff this, for free. This, this should be Ryu. Or uh, I guess like Ryu. I don't know. They, uh, I, I, it's, I've never liked Ken as a, as a character. So this, this is probably why I'm like, oh, come on. Why isn't this Ryu? Ryu is way cooler. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I think it's the best one. I, I, even the prowess is better than like training. And then on top of that, like, I don't know. I mean, isn't it? It's kind of, it's just kind of weird. I, I feel like it's a big fail when it does not have, uh, doesn't have a, a partner. Yeah, partner with would have probably been good. Although I do like how they kind of mirror each other. Like they're both three mana. Their stats are kind of inverted. Ryu's a two four, Ken's a four two. So I do think it's uh, it is neat, and you can play them in the same deck. So at least they're the same color combination. So if you want to build, yeah, you got to choose one to be your commander. But still, if you want to build around both of them, like it does work technically. But yeah, flavor would have been a nice or uh, partner would have been a nice little flavor addition maybe to those two. All right, next up, Blanca, Ferocious Friend, three red and a green, five, five, legendary creature, human beast warrior, haste, uh, rolling attack, Blanca has trample as long as you've cast three or more spells this turn, electric thunder, whenever Blanca becomes the target of a spell, he gets plus two, plus two until end of turn and deals two damage to each opponent. I mean... (laughs) I think this card's pretty good. Like, it's big, it's hasty, it's kind of like a, a pump spell Voltron-style commander. I feel like this is a, actually, like, a pretty legit commander to build around and flavorful. Works really well with a grafted exoskeleton. I think that's, like, the easiest way to build it. Like, just put the exoskeleton on it and, like, cast a couple of pump spells or whatever cheap things that target your your Blanca and just infect your opponent out in one, like, storm-style turn. So I can see uses of this as being, like, a, a legitimate commander. I, I don't know why the... Uh the tra- like the trample is like conditional <laughs> like i kind of felt like shouldn't the trample just always be there you got to you got to charge blanca up you yeah, got to charge him up that, charge. that's how he that's how he plays yeah i, I like the flavor <laughs> like you you're spamming one man of spells on your blanca to like pump him up like you're spamming fierce punch to charge up the the charge like i like it yeah is it good you think it's good probably <laughs> Like you just get I, like, like you know two pump spells and a double strike or something, and you just like one shot someone. Like I've seen people yeah. one shot people with less. <laughs> so it, I feel like it's pretty decent. I'll admit that. I mean, like for sure, I love the flavor. They've done a very good job flavor wise, but this this also feels a little underwhelming. It's because it's green. Why is it's fine? Why is he wearing a shirt? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> ruins the immersion. Blanca's got a shirt on. What is this? Transforming. <laughs> Uh, all right, Chun Li, countless kicks, one white and a blue, three, three, legendary creature, human soldier, multi kicker, uh, hybrid Azorius. <laughs> when Chun Li enters the battlefield, exile up to X target instance uh, from your graveyard, where X is the number of times Chun Li was kicked. Put a kick counter on each of them. Lightning kick. Whenever Chun Li attacks, copy each exiled card you own with a kick counter on it. You may cast the copies. I, I I think this is awesome. This is actually I, I I thought Ken was like really good, but this is awesome, right? I mean, the multi kicker part of it's pretty cool. Of course, this isn't like that powerful. It's just perfectly fun because you know it's not like you can abuse the same spells over and over, right? Well, you can, right? Right. I mean, it just you, says you can oh. use the same spells. Yeah, copy yeah, each exiled but, card. Oh, copy each exile. I thought we exiled each spell. Okay. Yeah, it's, well, it's then even even then, even then, the, so with that in mind, then so then that actually changes it. So it is actually pretty decent. 
I think this one's actually pretty decent then if I can abuse the same spells over and over. However, it is a very masterfully flavored card. Multi kicker is hilarious. I am here for that. I think it's important to point out you do have to spend the mana on the spells because I saw some people confused by that. Like when you when you copy them with the lightning kick ability, you still do have to spend mana. But because they're exiled with these kick counters, if you play Chun Li early and like exile some stuff and then it dies, those spells are still going to be exiled with kick counters on them. So I feel like it does generate like as the game goes along, this is going to generate a lot of value. If you stick a, a lightning greaves or something on this so it can attack right away and have haste i feel like that could be a pretty strong like azuria spellslinger commander think about that getting kicked in the face with lightning greaves on <laughs> oh, well, yep. that, that would that would hurt that would hurt kicked again and again countless countless times perhaps <laughs> yeah, yeah isn't is this card insane like you just cast all the spells like you, you have to pay mana but you have access to all the spells and then whenever you recast chun li you get them still without even kicking again so like yeah. you just put some instant card draw or whatever in your uh in your graveyard you multi-kick chun li and now you have access to that every time you attack not even like deals combat damage just attacks right so yeah oops. even even and just like vastly storms and we've seen <laughs> yeah brainstorms and swords of plowshares it's not like you even have to be like casting really huge impactful spells and you have protection spells you can cast kind of like feather style where you can uh, god's willing or uh chroma's whatever the commander vengeance is that what the commander one is the, yeah it's not chroma's vengeance but uh, yeah yeah uh, chroma's something the one that gives protection from everything like those are instants if you're just casting those every turn uh, chun is gonna get scary really quick all right next up dalsum pliable pacifist two green and a white one three legendary creature human monk reach uh teleport dalsum has hexproof unless he's attacking Whenever a creature you control with reach attacks untap it and it can't be blocked by creatures with Greater power of this combat, fierce punch. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, draw a card. Best commander from the set. Ah, this one has yeah, me like legitimately slap it on anything. Le- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that that's part of what makes it strong. Is you can draw three cards a turn in commander if you're hitting each player. Like that's that's pretty good. I'm excited though because it's it's actually like a reach matters commander. This is the one card that actually does something really unique. I don't think we have a Reach Matters legend. So if you want to build like Reach Tribal, Dalsum actually gives you a on-theme commander to play with that. So I want to build like a sneaky Reach Dot deck and just play all those greed creatures that no one uh, no one expects to have Reach, the ones that blow you out in Limited. I just want to stick them all together and, and play Dalsum. And I think it would actually be pretty strong. It's even hexproof most of the time. Like you can just leave this sit out and it's not going to die. So I actually think this card is legit strong. Oh yeah, this this one's pretty like. Also, the flavor of that like Dulcim getting getting reach here yeah. is like nice. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's amazing flavor and the, the fierce punch. The the only thing missing is like a a yoga fire or yoga flame or something because like that's literally. Oh yeah, you just sit in the corner and you just spam yoga fires <laughs> and fierce punches and you're like good luck. <laughs> yep, yep, that's how Dulcim plays. <laughs> uh, all right, next Guile Sonic Soldier. One, blue, <laughs> red, white. So Jeskai, American colors, 4-4, four, four, legendary creature, human soldier. When Guile enters the battlefield or attacks, put a charge counter on him or remove one from him. When you remove a counter this way, choose one, Sonic Boom. Guile deals four damage to any target. 
flash kick, Guile gains lifelink and indestructible until end of turn. So, I... such good flavor. I don't think it's a very good card, but, like, Guile, the, the charge thing, is, like, perfect for him. Like, he's kind of uh, very influential, apparently, in fighting games, as far as being, like, the archetype for charge characters, like, the first one. So, I think the flavor is really good. You can build a charge counter deck. The problem is we don't have that many charge counter shenanigans. Like, Power Conduit can move a charge counter. Eon Storm can remove one to shock something. But there aren't a lot of ways to move around the charge counters, at least yet. So I don't know if it's very good, but it's another card. I feel like I say this every card, but it's another, like, very on-point flavor card, I think. I I think this card is, like... Like, just as a card, like, and how it functions and plays is terrible. (laughs) But, But as a like a as a guile card all right that's pretty dope this is the sickest card i mean it sucks but like it, the, the <laughs> yeah. flavor is like so crazy on this right so like good the, the jess guyness the continual charging and uncharging and even the charge and anything can come out a sonic boom or a flash kick right like guile taught everyone to always hold down back literally every time <laughs> you're doing anything so that you can actually yeah. like behave like all the other characters that can just whip out their moves at any time uh so like this is this is amazing this is like the perfect flavor card if i've ever seen one yeah it might be the most flavor <laughs> yeah. they're, they're all so good flavorfully but guile really that might be the best flavor card from this whole release honestly yeah it's just unfortunate that he sucks Oh, that's because you don't yeah. know how to use just like the real street fighter you probably just don't know how to use them yet you're not used to this <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. just <laughs> master it it'll probably be pretty good <laughs> uh, last Zangief the red cyclone two black red green legendary creature human warrior seven four Zangief must be blocked if able uh, iron muscle as long as your turn Zangief has indestructible spinning pile driver Whenever Zangief deals damage to a creature, if that creature was dealt excess damage this turn, that creature's controller sacrifices a non-creature, non-land permanent. Isn't this just Jun Zergo? That's that was what I thought of too. It reminds me very much of Zergo, but in Jund, you lose you lose haste, right? Zergo has haste, I think. But oh, right, you gain right, the yeah, like yeah. sacrifice. The sacrifice ability, which seems pretty strong. Also, he's hugging a bear, which is kind of funny. And has two more health, I guess. So that that's kind of different. But okay, I mean, other than that, though, like, I mean, the, I, I kind of wanted Zangief to ha- have haste, but I guess it wouldn't make sense for him to have haste. But he's too sl- I don't know. too big and slow to, to have yeah. haste. But I feel like this could be a fun commander, like a lure commander. Just like force your opponent to block it and make them sacrifice stuff, and it's indestructible. So your opponent, well, I guess actually it has to be blocked anyway. But I think it's like a really a really fun uh, build around. I don't know how strong it is, but it seems reasonable. It's big. Eh, I, eh? I, I don't eh? like. It has to be a non-creature, non-land permanent. Like if they don't have one, so of you're those. getting rid of. Oh, you get a mana rock, probably. Get those soul rings or whatever signets. Nah, it, I guess it's just not super impactful, but... It should have just said yeah. found creature. It should have started popping. I mean, Ooh. it's like a lot of work, right? So I think you can pop lands. So so which of these cards, discounting flavor completely, what's the what's the strongest one wait, or two wait, you wait, think? We got, one, we got one last card, which is a special card. Oh, 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 uh, oh. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is Hadouken. Uh, it's fireball. It's a fireball <laughs> from Street Fighter, and it's lightning bolt. So we have lightning bolt as the special card, and it's Hadouken. So that's the the bonus I, card. You know, I'm gonna 
like whenever I bolt somebody in modern, I'm gonna have to pull out the red headband, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so will you guys play Hadouken? Will you put it in your decks over your oh, your normal bolts? This card is the uh, probably uh, this card alone is probably why people will buy four four K like boxes of this or whatever <laughs> to get the play set. Yeah, like this oh, so this good. card is so sick. So, right, so, so as far back to your question, Seth. Yeah, so so a couple of questions for you. First, which of these do you think is strongest? Discounting flavor, just gameplay, you're going to build a commander deck around it or whatever. Which is just has the most raw power, you think? That's got to be Chun-Li or Dalsum, right? Like, I, I th- like we're talking, I mean, Dalsum only because of, in Commander, the ability to draw uh, is pretty dope. And, like, the automatic hexproof attached to it. Uh, yeah, there, there's just a lot tied him now you now you can play dalsum plus i don't know toski if you wanted and just like have tons and tons and tons of effects like that they're all like hard to remove and you know i guess this one's counterable uh but then i think follow-up would probably be chun li and the, and then i also but like chun li and ken are very tied in power but i i, I think i i might oh that's tough in in the colors i think i'm going chun li actually what do you think, think richard i think dalsum and chun li are the strongest and i think blanca and e honda are actually just under them and like i, I think gruel spell slinger can be a thing and blanca will like one shot people and same with e honda you're just gonna throw out down e honda and kill people so those are like build around me's but chun li is just generically powerful and same with dalsum even though you can build like reach matters like you can just literally throw like random selesina creatures into the dalsum deck and that toski ability will carry it so uh, it's a very strong card. Yeah, you could maybe even just throw that in the 99 or random Selesnia decks just yeah. for, for more card draw. Like, it's just a good card. Yeah, yeah I, I think you guys nailed it. I got Dalsum and Chun-Li as the top tier. And then Blanca was kind of my sleeper pick that I think is legitimately strong. Maybe not quite as strong as the top two, but it's close. And then, I don't know, I think the rest of them are, like, pretty mediocre as far as power level. But, I mean, the flavor is really good. Last question. Are you buying it? Oh, yeah. <sighs> 100 percent i probably gotta get this one too i don't really buy many secret layers but every once in a while there's one that they just uh, i can't resist and i think street fighters on that list i don't even know if i'll play <laughs> with them i just kind of want to like have them for some reason the, the nostalgia i think from playing it growing up like they got me it worked exactly what they wanted to have happen is what happened and i'm even like not a secret layer buyer and they got me with this one it's like 40 bucks Did they, right how much is it 40 bucks yeah yeah, yeah. I I Did, well actually it. that's like foil that's like foil, right? 30 non-foil or is it 40 no matter what? Oh, I think it's just 40 period, but I don't know. I'd have to double check. Well, let, look at that. They even got Richard. Richard like buys like one like, one secret so layer. I, I love Street Fighter, right? But I don't want to play with any of these cards, but I love the flavor and I feel like I need to reward Watsy for this, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it's awkward, right? I'm like I have to reinforce that this is a good secret layer, right? I had to like not buy arcane secret layer or um, Stranger Things. I thought those are like total cash grabs, but this one clearly they knew Street Fighter, right? And they captured the essence of it, and it's really good.
Uh, it's 40 non-foil, 50 foil, by the way. So a little more expensive than a, than Ooh, a normal Secret you gotta, Layer you gotta, you gotta pay Capcom some money, you know? So you gotta siphon some of that off, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna pick this one up, too. There's also a bunch of other Secret Layer drops that uh, were announced playing off mostly the Kamigawa's uh, theme. So we're not gonna go over all of those, but you can see them over at uh, SecretLayer.com. So that is the, the Secret Layer drop. We got another... Re- oh, wait, there's one other thing I really wanted to ask that I forgot got uh so this time with this secret layer drop the response has been really positive if you look at the history of these universes beyond secret layer drops they did walking dead and it was one of the biggest uproars that i remember like it was it was a really really huge negative reaction then they did stranger things and it was kind of meh i guess like uh, it was a mixed reaction not strongly positive or negative and now they did street fighter and it seems overwhelmingly positive. Like, I haven't seen people complaining about this. Everyone seems to love it. So I'm wondering, what's the difference now? Is it that people like Street Fighter more than the other <laughs> the other IPs? Is it that Wizards promise to make magic versions of these cards in the future? Is it that people are just tired of complaining and they've just resigned themselves to universes beyond being a thing? What do you think about the reaction to this one and why the reaction's been so much more positive than past universes beyond layer drops? I I think surprisingly enough, the people have now gotten used to it, like the idea of something else outside of magic entering, right? And each drop kind of just moves the needle a little bit more. So in, in a way, I guess it's like uh, it's not that they're we're like like we as like the community are done complaining, but we are now just, I guess, used to it. And uh, and, and, you know, the announcement of there being a magic alternative is perfect. So I, I think it's a mixture of things, personally. I, I agree with Krim. I think people got used to it, but I think it's just well done. I think if this was the first secret layer they showed, people would not have been as outraged, right? I think people view Walking Dead and um, Stranger Things and Arcane basically money grabs, right? They're like, I don't know. Like, you just slap some IP on here and charge me more money, and then now they're exclusive, like WTF, right? But I feel... Street Fighter is a beloved franchise. You look at this card and you're like, this is actually like really well done and I'm impressed and, you know, I, I like it, right? So I, I feel it's kind of that factor. I think if they started with this, we'd have a different Secret Layer conversation. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't I think, think so. No? Uh, you don't think so? Like, no, I, I, I think versus, people would have been Street Fighter versus Walking Dead, like... Stranger Things? Sure, there there would be... The, Walking Dead, I think, was uh, an ambitious one to start with just because of, like, the franchise and how popular it is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, I, I think Street Fighter is beloved by a majority of the community, but regardless, if it, if it came out first, I think people would have probably had the same reaction. Uh, assuming, assuming that they didn't... Let's say it, it released. There's no, like, reassurance that it's coming out, like, in a magical form, Right. Uh, just like how Walking Dead did it, just if, if it was released exactly like that, I think the community would have been pissed anyways. It doesn't matter uh, if these are good or bad or anything like that. I guess my concern, I guess I would have had the same concern about like supply issues and, you know, exclusive cards and a limited time products. So that's true. Well, no matter what it was before they promised they would reprint these cards, essentially. That was my that was my biggest concern with all of this. So to some extent, I think that's true. Although at the same time, I do think it would have went somewhat better if it was Street Fighter compared to Walking Dead. I think the nostalgia factor plays into it too. Like 
I don't know. Walking Dead's kind of modern. It's apparently I was never a huge Walking Dead fan, but from what I've heard from people who were fans, by the time we got a layer drop, it was kind of wrapping up or trending down from where its peak was a few years before that. Street Fighter, I think everyone just remembers it from their childhood. There are a lot of people. It just hits that right age range for, you know, the magic player base who played this growing up. And I think the nostalgia factor just overwhelms everything else, any negatives associated with it. And I, I do think it, the other things play into it as well. I think people are adjusting to it, accepting that this is kind of part of the game now. And then when Wizards does kind of hit it out of the park like they did with these Street Fighter cards, I think people are just kind of okay with it. So I don't know it's encouraging because I was kind of dreading every secret layer drop, that huge backlash and negative reaction. Although I guess we'll see with Fortnite. Yeah, um, I, think, I think the backlash that, will come back with Fortnite. This is where we test our yeah. theory, right? I think either magic players are closeted Fortnite players or, you know, there there is no nostalgia and Fortnite stands for everything they hate about kids nowadays or something and there'll be huge backlash uh, yeah. <laughs> around Fortnite. So we'll, we'll see. If everyone loves Fortnite, then I think, you know, Wizards has finally beaten Secret Lair into us. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. All right. So let's move on and hit up some other topics. We got another really interesting one that came up this week, which is uh, a few days ago. There is a investment firm called Atla Fox, which essentially announced that they are hoping or trying to get Hasbro to split off Wizards into its own company. They nominated some people to be board members, including John Finkel, the greatest magic player of all time, probably. Uh, and they're trying to get Wizards to become their own company, essentially, arguing that Hasbro's mismanaging them, and if Wizards was its own company, their stock price would go way up. Uh, on the other hand, I don't know what Hasbro would do without Wizards. I feel like Wizards is kind of just keeping Hasbro alive at this point, so I don't know what happened to Hasbro stock, but what did you guys think of this whole situation? Uh, so, number one, what do you think about this? Like, is there any merit to this? Is there any chance of it happening? I, I, I can't see it happening, right? Uh, oh, this, like you had mentioned, this is currently Hasbro's best, best IP or best thing. So why By would far, they let yeah. go of them? I mean, granted that this, what, eventually didn't like, didn't Pokemon split off? I think at, so. At that was Wizards at one point, right? Right. Yeah. You, like Pokemon you, you, was at Wizards. I, I couldn't remember because I was like pretty young and I didn't care about any of that stuff. So I didn't pay attention to the full details, but Pokemon was at a point underneath Wizards. Right. And then eventually they split off to do their own thing. So I, I guess I, I don't know. I guess that could be good. I'm not, I'm not really sure though. I, I'm not sure how this is a thing, right? Because Hasbro would have to vote to get rid of its most profitable thing. Like how, <laughs> like what? Like why would they do that? Right. Like even if you believe it's yeah. somehow better. Um, but. You know, I I don't buy. It. I don't know what this is for. It's like seems this seems like I'm watching a television drama. Like I'm not, you know, like a hostile takeover, and we're gonna we're gonna cut out wizards and we're gonna triple revenue in like a year. You're like, what? Like really? Does it seem real? But apparently, it's real. Um, I don't know, but you know, wizards has been doing a good job according to sales data, right? Everything else. So for other people to come in and say, you've been doing a, you know, a crap job, you've been mismanaging everything. I find it a little awkward and I'm not sure how you would convince, you know, the person in power Hasbro to do it. Right. The, I guess what they're trying to do is like hostily take over Hasbro, 
or something, right? And then like take off wizards. Like I, I'm not exactly sure. This this seems like an HBO special to me. <laughs> it really, <laughs> I it am really curious. Does. What is Hasbro mismanaging in their eyes? Yeah, like th- so, that is. So they actually posted a massive document that you can read. Uh, it is a uh, hundred yeah. page document. <laughs> Hit me with the TLDR. <laughs> but, but the the TL the TLDR, if you uh, don't want to read the whole hundred pages, is basically uh, the the main things they pointed out is the corporate structure at Hasbro. They feel like is inefficient. Uh, they feel like. Wizards makes a lot of money and then Hasbro spends that money on frivolous, foolish things like they try to make some movie not related to magic at all that flops rather than reinvesting the money that Wizards makes back into Wizards to make Wizards better, essentially, uh, and that they overpay their <laughs> their people compared to their performance. Apparently, that Hasbro pays their executives tons of money, even if their divisions don't do poorly. Those were kind of the three big takeaways that I got from uh, reading it over, which is probably true. I don't I don't know how much of it's directed at Wizards. From reading it, it sounded to me like they think Wizards is doing well, but it's being held back by Hasbro, essentially. Like, the rest of Hasbro is holding back Wizards from the potential that it has. Like, it could do so much better than it is if it wasn't supporting the rest of Hasbro's failing IPs, essentially. Uh, whether or not this is actually legitimate, I don't really know. Apparently, Atla... Atla Fox uh, owns 2.5% of Hasbro, which is, I don't know if that's enough to matter. Uh, it's like $350 million or something. So it's a big investment, but it's also 2.5%. So in the grand scheme of like shareholders, it's not that much. So I'm really not convinced that this is like a serious thing. And I'm not sure it'd be a good thing or not. Like, I don't know. Now, whenever I hear of like hostile takeovers and so forth, I think of like, People coming in and like stripping the company to try to like make more profit. So I'm not sure if, I don't know, having an investment firm in charge of wizards would be better. Although the things that they say in their document are positive. Like it's a lot of stuff players have been saying, like uh, fix the bugs on arena. There should be a spectator mode, uh, have organized play. So they're kind of echoing everything the community saying, but how it actually would play out in practice. I really have no idea. Cut organized yeah. play. That's not making any money. What's competitive magic? Why are we using this, right? <laughs> like, this is what happens when you focus on bottom line. So I'm not sure. Even if, like, you you had Wizards' interest in mind, this is what you really want, right? Like, yeah, cut cut the fat. Like, you know, organized play makes no money. Why keep it? Yeah. The other thing I wanted is... Make more. <laughs> I mean, all the things we play on in Hasbro can just be thrown generically onto, like, random investment firm, right? Like, oh, secret layer yeah. just printed like 400 million out of nowhere why aren't we making more of these right like <laughs> uh, that's the thing i don't i don't think that stuff would change like even if wizard split off why would you stop making secret layers when they're making insane piles of money that's like one of the things wizards is doing really well so i don't think that that stuff is gonna change would change either way i also wonder if maybe it was just like partly a finance play hasbro stock went significantly up the day it was announced like eight percent or something and if you have $350 million invested in Hasbro and it goes up 8%, I don't know, maybe you just like cash out an extra, you know, 20 million or whatever and <laughs> call it a day. Maybe the announcement was was the end goal of it as well as like it go putting down, a spotlight though? on it. I'm confused. So uh, you're cutting wizards out of Hasbro. So now Hasbro would be a shell of itself and be relying on Monopoly and Transformers or something, right? That's like very bad, no? <laughs> I would assume so, but I, I assume 
also that Hasbro would still have some ownership stake or something. There would have to be something. There's no way because Hasbro would just die. Like, sure, Wizard stock price might go up if it wasn't attached to the less successful IPs at Hasbro. But Hasbro stock, I assume, would just crash like without magic. Magic makes like half of its money. Like, and it's one of the only profitable things they do. So I just I can't imagine Hasbro going for it unless somehow like kill Monopoly. <laughs> like, yeah. What does that have yeah. to do with Wizards? I'm confused. If you're like, Hasbro's a failing company, how about we get rid of Monopoly? Like, do we need the 18th thousandth, you know, edition of Monopoly? Like, maybe we should stop investing in Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would that would probably make more sense. So, I don't know. Definitely, definitely strange. What do you think about Finkel being involved? Like, that was kind of one of the other interesting parts. A lot of the people involved in this are just kind of... Typical, you know, investor hedge fund people. I looked at the proposed board members, but then you got Finkel, who is like a hedge fund guy, but also a great magic player. What do you think about that? Like, is that just to give legitimacy to this claim to the community who knows Finkel? And if they saw some random company saying this and it was just a list of people they'd never heard of, everyone would just kind of shrudge it off and not care. Like, what do you think the goal is of having Finkel involved? I... I, I can't tell. I think that is that a PR move? I'm not, I'm not sure. That's kind of where I was leaning. Like, ugh, Finkel's pretty beloved in the magic community. Everyone knows Finkel. Everyone likes Finkel. I don't know. If you want to get the community on board and get them behind, I saw on like their website, it's got like hashtags that they want people to be tweeting. So I think maybe they were hoping the community would kind of like rise up and try to force Hasbro's hand to some extent and really get behind the movement. And Finkel is, I mean, I don't know. Someone who could do that potentially, like, is one of the greatest players of all time. I, I think, so, like, strangely, adding Finkel makes it non-legitimate in my mind because, like, <laughs> it's now like a media circus or something. Like, what what does Finkel bring here? Like, I'm not really sure. And why? Like, why do you need the fans to be on board with this? Like, we combine own. 0.1 percent Hasbro stock because all our money is in Magic cards anyway. Like. I, I'm not sure what Finkel has to do with this, right? If we're talking about, you know, making Hasbro more profitable or making Wizards more profitable, like, like what, what does organized play and the greatest Magic player of all time have to do with this? This is like, you know, markets, supply and demand, global supply chain, I don't know, whatever businessy things, right? Like, what, what does Finkel have to do with this? It's very weird that they would throw him in here. So I think that actually makes it less legitimate and it's more of the... Let's get everyone riled up and we, we've gotten the pros and let's go, right? Like, as opposed to an actual sound business idea. Interesting. Yeah. So so give me last question. Uh, give me your percent chance of this happening. Like, is this something that we should view as a possibility or do you think this is a, a Hail Mary, you know, one in a million long shot? I I what I just don't understand like from a business perspective why they would let go of their best performing company. <laughs> like I I just I still can't grasp that. Yeah, it, it can't be what we're thinking, right? Because like Krim said, like why would you ever do this, right? It must be something else, right? It must be like <laughs> they're trying to hostily take over Hasbro to cut Wizards out and then return Hasbro after the fact or something, right? And then focus on Wizards. But as is, it doesn't make any sense. Like why would you? Axe your most profitable division. Like, why would you ever do this?
Yeah, that's I kind of view it as the Hail Mary type thing where it's not super likely for that same reason. But as Richard said, maybe we're, you know, we're not hedge fund managers or whatever. So maybe there's some technicalities or whatever that we're missing that would make this whole thing make sense. But I assume this is probably pretty unlikely to actually happen. But who knows? Definitely interesting. I mean, even if it did happen, anyway, why would it matter to us? Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, like, how I assume things would be the, the same on our end. Well, I mean, I guess the one way it could affect us would be if the stuff that Atla Fox is saying actually happened, all the like, hey, we want spectator modes and we want to fix arena bugs and we want organized play to come back. Like all those things they were saying, whether or not they actually would be able to implement them. I have no idea, but if they actually did, I think it would be a positive for players. But uh, I don't know. I assume if all those things, when it comes down to it, they're investors. Their goal is to make a profit. I assume if Wizards thought organized play was super profitable or like, you know, organizing or fixing the arena bugs or whatever more in a more timely manner, like if that stuff was going to be super profitable, I assume Wizards would be doing it now. Like if, if organized play was this huge bonanza of money, why wouldn't Wizards already be doing it? So I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I'm skeptical that much would change on our end if it did happen anyway. This feels way too low level for like a $10 billion company. Like if, it, <laughs> if, I, if I'm hiring you to manage a future $10 billion company and you're like, wow, we need spectator mode. I'm like, is this really what we should be talking about here? <laughs> right? Like it seems very awkward and specific. Oh, the, the other thing that came out of this, and then I promise we're going to move on. Uh, I read through their document and they have a bunch of numbers in there and like assumptions on how wizards could, you know, their stock could increase 100% in just a few years. But one of the numbers they had in there, and I wanted to see if you thought this was realistic, their number for arena players is that the average spend of an arena player is $150 per year. And this was not based on reading the document. It was not paying players, not the average of people who do play money that was the average of an arena player is there any way that's possible i I always assume that the average arena player spent zero dollars or maybe like bought the five dollar intro thing and that was all they spent and then there was a small percentage of people like us that spend a ton of money and that's where all the the profits come from is there any chance that the average is really that high that sounds insanely high to me i mean what you gotta some some people probably just buy gems to like draft each new set whenever they're or yeah. maybe they want to do an FNM at home or something like that where they essentially just play from home. And you do uh, have like the opens that people spend money on and cosmetics. So right. there are plenty of things to spend money on. But then I also know like my little nephew never going to spend it and never spent any money, but he plays Magic Arena. And I'm sure there's tons of other people like that who, you know, are just like straight up free to play, like play every once yeah. in a while, very casual, free to play. And they're not putting any money into the system. I don't know. It seems so high to me. I would assume that the average was like $10 or $20 or something when you consider all the free to play players. Yeah. Unless magic is actually dead and like the only people left are streamers playing it. Like I, I, I don't <laughs> see, right? Like most people will spend zero or like, you know, a very small amount, like even 150 amongst um, enfranchised players seems very high as well. Uh, so I'm not sure where this number is. And you know, if like, Arena had 10 million players. Are you telling me its annual revenue is 1.5 billion? That's, right? like, that's even know. more than that's more than <laughs> Wizards' entire revenue last year, I'm pretty sure. So I don't think that number could actually <laughs> could yeah. actually work. Right? It would be so I, I feel maybe there are some asterisks around those numbers or something. Like maybe streamers spend that much or, or something. Like maybe people that log in every single day or something 
spend that much, but I can't imagine it being actually the average of the player base. They they did cite a Reddit poll <laughs> to back it up. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so this whole proposal is based on Reddit. I see. Okay, maybe... Uh... <laughs> uh... Uh, all right, one one more question before fish mail. So this week, a question came up on Mark Rosewater's blog that I thought was interesting, uh, where someone asked them about all the different products they're making and about draft boosters and wondering if draft boosters could somehow support limited play better. And Mark Rosewater asked, how would you feel about cards designed specifically for draft that only show up in draft boosters? So kind of like we get the random commander exclusive cards and set boosters. What if they did that in draft boosters, but the cards rather than being designed for commander or whatever are designed specifically for draft? Do you like the idea of draft exclusive cards and draft boosters? It gives you a reason to buy a draft box, I guess. I mean, well, I mean, more incentive to buy a draft box because i mean just buying it alone just for the play doesn't seem that fun right like I, I just feel like i would i would rather get a set booster but i kind of feel like it would make just opening a draft booster if you're not drafting worse because if they're really designed exclusively for draft maybe they're not cards that would have much value outside of limited play yeah you definitely don't want these yeah. cards right because <laughs> they're That's just true. for the draft environment and like i'm not sure what the point is like isn't a draft booster already for draft and like you know every time we complain about some expensive card being at mythic well it was for it was for the draft you know it's for for limited so isn't everything for limited by default anyway already yeah so <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure what this means like this means we'll get like better cards at lower rarities or better cards at mythic rarity like what does this even mean to make something for draft format Especially given that draft format has always been one of the better formats Wizards has created. Like, through all the years of terrible standard, Limited's always been, like, you know, decent to, like, very good. So it's the one thing they haven't botched yet, right? So not sure. It, it reminds me of, uh, like, Conspiracy or something. I don't know if you ever played Conspiracy at all, where it had, like, cards that referred specifically to drafting and, like, pick orders and stuff. Like, oh, if you, you can draft this card face up and then it reverses the draft order and, like, weird weird things like that. So it made me wonder if that's that's the direction they would go. I don't know. You, I feel like exactly. Limited's already... Oh, you know exactly where it's coming from, right? So they're like, okay, we'll make set boosters and collector boosters. And then we'll add all these like special versions so people will buy these. And then like one year later, like sales of draft boosters are down. What can we do? <laughs> what if we what if we add exclusive draft booster cards to the draft boosters? <laughs> like it's exactly like they wanted people to buy set boosters instead of draft boosters. So now people are. And then now they're scrambling to get people to buy draft boosters again. So I'm like, what? Yeah, it does kind of feel like that. And like you said, Limited's been really good overall lately. There's been a couple of duds, but over the last two or three years, in general, people have really liked Limited. So to me, it kind of feels like, why fix something that's not broken almost? And there would be a risk that by trying to fix the thing that's not broken, you actually mess it up and make it worse. So I lean towards no at this point. If Limited was like really suffering and having issues, then maybe I'd be like, sure, go for it. Like maybe it makes things better. But since Limited's been so good pretty consistently the past few years, I don't I don't really want to mess with it personally. What we need to do is make Limited four players. So then you can Ooh. use all your commander cards in Limited. 
<laughs> Ooh, that would be that would be interesting. Although draft games would take so long. <laughs> Didn't they do that with Commander Legends? Did you like the Commander Legends drafts where you actually played a four player game afterwards? Never got to do it. <laughs> oh, you never got to do it. It was really I think I long. Did it. Yeah, it, it took quite some time. But like, I mean, drafting Commander Legends was like pretty fun, except for the amount of time you really did have to spend on it. Yeah, that was that was only drawback for me. It makes it hard to just like do a quick draft and play a game and then come back to it later when you got to sit down to a whole commander game. But it would be interesting. Anyway, I think it's fish mail time. Richard, take it away. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MG Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fish Mail. And we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, solid gold toilet. Uh, Seth is always talking about fair and unfair decks. Could you see a format in the future where unfair decks are quickly banned? Also, what do you consider an unfair deck to card combos? Ooh, so, so I should make it clear that unfair decks aren't necessarily a bad thing. I view it as more of a, a play pattern or play style than like a, a negative or positive. Sometimes when unfair decks get too good, they tend to be especially miserable because they can win so quickly. But I think of it as essentially like combo decks versus decks that are trying to attack with creatures. That's probably the easiest breakdown. If you're trying to win by like casting creatures and attacking with them, you're pretty much a fair deck. If you're trying to win in a different way, some sort of combo, you could even argue maybe like... I don't know, Mill maybe could fall under there. But really, if you're trying to combo off, then I would consider it an unfair deck. I think speed plays into it a little bit too. Uh, if you're trying to win really quickly through your combo, you're even more unfair. But I don't think that's like a drawback. It's just another, another play pattern. So I wouldn't say that unfair decks need to be banned or I wouldn't actually want a format where the general philosophy was just to ban any unfair deck because I think unfair decks are fine as long as they're not too powerful if they get too powerful and they're too heavily played and they win too quickly that's when I think bannings should be on the table and wizards should execute the bans more quickly than they have in the past like one of the reasons pioneer went on such a big slide is a bunch of unfair decks from Theros beyond death took over the format and it took wizards a really long time to actually address the issue so I think when a problem does arise, Wizards needs to handle it quickly, but I don't think you should just blanket ban unfair decks or anything. They're a legitimate part of the game, and they can't even be really fun, and it adds variety to the game. If Magic was just creatures attacking each other all the time and no other style of decks existed, I think that would end up getting boring after a while. Yeah, I think, I don't think it's fair versus unfair anymore. I think unfair used to mean good, like, uh, you know, if you had a two-card combo and your deck was good, you would win with two cards. But I think nowadays, it's really like how good your deck is. Like, you could have the most unfair fair deck, right? Like, Golden Goose into Oko or, you know, Raghavan or something, right? And it's super oppressive. It warps the metagame and you can't play other cards. And it does the same thing that an unfair deck used to do, right? So I think it's just like power level. Like, if the cards are so oppressive, you can't do anything else. Uh, you can't play, quote unquote, a normal game of magic, then that's a problem. So I feel it's no longer fair versus unfair, but just like power. Because nowadays we get like some pretty strong fair cards that totally warp the meta as well. Next question, Kylio Meters, what are some of the crew's favorite? I wanted to do something cool with this, but never quite got their cards. Oh, Wh hmm. which one? So uh, I wanted to I do something cool with this, but never quite got there cards oh oh i thought they okay 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 here's i got a i got an easy one uh i think orvar is maybe 
one of the most recent ones. Orvar is a card that, and we did play it on against odds, and it kind of went fine. But Orvar is a card that when you read it, it seems like you should be able to do some really ridiculous, super awesome things with it. But then once you try to build a deck around it, you find out it's actually really, really hard to get Orvar to do what you want it to do. And it never ends up working out as well as it, it seems when you're building the deck or when you're, you know, kind of uh, thinking over how to build the deck. So I, I think Orvar for me is one that immediately comes to mind as fitting that criteria. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any one that specifically stands out. But I mean, so far, well, uh, like one thing that I do think is pretty, pretty underwhelming once you actually try to build it or it's a little hard to build around is the new, uh, Satsuki, the living lore, the new Selesnya commander for sagas. I, I, I think that's, that's about it for me, right? That off the top of my head, just because of like how hard it is to build around only green, white sagas. And I'm talking like across like commander, uh, even, even in standard, I felt like it was kind of weird. So yeah. That would have been better if it was like three color, five color or something. Like its ability would have been a lot easier to build around, I think. Right. Like it's, it's kind of weird. Like you have Hinata at Jeskai, you have Ishin at like Mardu, right? And I feel like maybe Satsuki could have been like Abzan. Yeah. That would make sense. All right. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll throw in Circle of Loyalty. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Oh, come, come on, on now, It seems like such a cool card. Why can we never make it work? <laughs> the Great Henge is so broken. This is the White Great Henge. What happened to it? Uh, I actually want to build a commander deck with it, but then I always cut it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to build a knight deck, but I'm like, what does a Circle of Loyalty even do? But it seems so cool on the surface. But... Yeah, it was either that or Reaper of the Wilds. <laughs> oh, wait, Reaper of the Wilds was good, though, right? It was played in standard it was, as a one-up. It was, like, barely played, and it was like, oh, my goodness, a four-mana, four-five. The power creep is outrageous. Uh, we we got to yeah, go back so to fair. that era and brew with, like, modern um, magic theory to see if we could break Reaper of the Wilds. <laughs> I don't know if our theory changes help make that card better. <laughs> All right, uh, that's all the time we have for Fish Mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent their questions in. If you have future questions, you can send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail. And we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 369 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, in until then, have a spectacular week, everyone, and this is a crew signing out.